you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John chapter 13 this morning. I want to share with you what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart for today. John chapter 13. Once you find out, will you just stand with me one more time for the reading of his word this morning. John chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading with verse 31 and I'm going to go through verse 35. John chapter 13, verse 31 through 35. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, you cannot go, or you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Read those last two verses again. New commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one another. To another. Father, we thank you this morning for your word because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. So God, help us to believe this morning. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Lord, in this place, move by your Spirit this morning. God, let there be an awakening this morning of our body, our minds, and our spirit right now, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that we will hear the Spirit, that we will hear your word this morning. That your will will be done in this place, O oh God. Lord, have your way in this place, Jesus. Have your way in this place, O oh God. Can you pray that with me right now? Have your way in this place, Jesus. Have your way, Lord, in this place this morning. Have your way in this place this morning. Help us, Father, we pray. Have your way in this place this morning. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come in this place as it is in heaven. Let it so be here, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated. We have been talking this month. Our theme this month has been for love's sake. For love's sake. Sunday about God's love for us. Last week we talked about the love of the heart. Today I want us to talk about loving each other, for love's sake, loving each other. I'm going to talk about loving each other, what that means, what that means. Here in these particular verses, Jesus reminds us that his focus, his goal, the reason that he was here is that the Father be glorified in him. Let the Father be glorified in him. The question this morning for us, is that our focus? Is that our goal? Do we live as if that is the reason that we are here, that the Father be glorified in us? Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm doing what I'm doing, that the Father may be glorified. He's going to glorify me, but I want him to be glorified in me. I want him to be glorified in everything that I do. In 
the death and the resurrection, all things were going to point back to the Father. And the way that Jesus loved and the way that he conducted himself and the compassion that he had to others and the things that he did, it all pointed back to the Father, that God may be glorified in him and through him. In fact, Jesus said one time, the things that you see me do, I'm just doing what I've seen the Father do. I know him and he knows me and I'm in him and he's in me. Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says to them, and so what I'm telling you is that you need to love one another as I have loved you. Why? Because your focus, your goal, the reason why you are here needs to be that the Father be glorified in you. So he leaves a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Love also one another. He said by this, by this, by this kind of love, by this kind of love, the world will know that you are my disciples. When you have this love one to another, the kind of love that I've already demonstrated, when you love one another as I have loved you, this is the way that the world will know that you are my disciples. That you are my disciples. When they see, when they see the demonstration of the love that you have to one another. That is how they will know uh, that you are my disciples. Why? Because they will recognize you as my followers when they see your love one to another. They will recognize it because it will look like how I love. It will act like how I love. It will talk like how I love. It will walk like how I love. See, the reason why a lot of folks get confused in the world today is because in this world of over, I believe it's over, uh, over 6 billion people in this world, there is an estimation that about a third of those folks, a third of those folks are Christians. The only problem with that is a lot of folks are Christians, but they don't demonstrate the love of Christ. People are confused. You know, we always think the world hates us because of the holiness that, that we live. No, sometimes the world hates Christians because we don't love. Come on now. Because we don't love. They hear what we say, but they're watching what we're doing. And Jesus tells his disciples, he said, now listen, listen. As I have loved, you need to love one another. As I have demonstrated my love to you, uh, that's the way you need to love one another. Because in this world, people will recognize who you are as my disciples when they see that. That you have that love one to another like I have loved you. You know, a lot of, a lot of people who ain't even saved has read this, this book. Did you know that? A lot of people ain't saved read this book. A lot of scholars have read this book. They know what Jesus did. They saw it. They read about his compassion, his love, that kind of stuff. And they don't, they can't understand it, you know, like, like some of us can because, you know, the Spirit of God isn't at work inside of them. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Because that's how we understand the Word, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost that work in us. They don't, they don't understand it. But anybody can read. Anybody can read how Jesus had compassion on a multitude like Sheep with no shepherd, amen, and would sit out on the hillside hungry and hot, continuing to teach because he, he loved them. Anybody can read a simple story of how Jesus 
took a few loaves of bread and some fish uh, and uh, fed multitudes because he had compassion on them and didn't want them to faint on the way. You feed him, he said. Anybody can read uh, how the Lord would have compassion on a widow woman going into a city with her son, her only son, her husband already dead, on a, on a platform as they're going into a city. Jesus had compassion on her and, and speak to the boy and raise him from the dead. Anybody can read a simple story like that uh, of how Jesus would do what he did with his disciples and would have that kind of love. You don't have to be spirit-filled to read some things and understand it quite clearly. Jesus loved us. And so the thing that we have to do now is we have to, we have to follow this new commandment the Lord has given to us in hearing not only what he says, but that we have love one to another. Because Jesus said, when they see your love that you have one toward, to another, he said, that's how they'll know that you are my disciples. Not because you say you're a Christian, not because you go to church, uh, not even because you sing a worship song. Amen. Amen. Listen, you know what we you know what we'll do sometimes? Have you ever watched them uh, music award shows? And uh, and uh, now this that always baffled me. I don't I hardly ever even watch that kind of stuff anymore because it's just not worth watching. Uh, but what always baffled me is uh, watching people get awards. And uh, I didn't necessarily listen to their music all the time, but I I had heard and heard the words and stuff they sung about and the words. Of Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ. And I think to myself, oh yeah? <laughs> I'm trying to be all judgmental. <laughs> but I thought, I'm not doing good. I'm not doing good. And you know, we, we as Christians, we will, we will watch stuff like that and, and, and we'll make those judgments. And rightly so, we can judge by the, you know, we know the tree by the fruit a lot of folks are watching us and, and, and what they need to see is that they need to see this commandment lived out in us that we love one another. So how does that, what does that look like that we love one another? What does that look like that we love one another? You know, the thing about it is Jesus demonstrated this and we get the perfect picture of this in the first part of this chapter as they eat together the feast of the Passover. Bud, won't you come on up? Come on up with me. part of this chapter, bring up the cheese. First part of this chapter, we see Jesus demonstrating this to us in, in them sitting down to supper at the feast of the Passover. We see him demonstrating this to us. Sitting down at the feast of the Passover. And we see this, this part in a little more detail in Matthew. Go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, I believe it is. The Bible says that while they were sitting and while they were eating. Now, I know this is not unleavened bread. Y'all just work with me. This is what we know. While they were sitting eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, don't eat all. Well, you can later. That's great. Uh, it does smell good, doesn't it? He blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat, 
this is my body. Take and eat, this is my body. Take and eat, this is my body. They, they, uh, I'm not sure they quite got it at that moment. But he's setting precedence here. Breaking the bread and giving it to them, handing it to them. Not just talking about it, but handing it to them. Take and eat, this is my body. Then he takes the glass, he took the cup, and he gave thanks. Now, we don't, this is grape juice, because we don't live like that. Amen. Uh, he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. He said, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Here he is at the feast of the Passover. They are celebrating the time in which Jesus told the disciples, told the people of Egypt, get ready. You're going to take part in the Passover. You're going you're to eat this meal. You're going to eat it quickly because in the morning, I'm going to deliver you. In the morning, I'm going to do something for you in your life that's going to change the course of history. Not only for your family, but for the generations to come after you in all the world. And as they're sitting at the table with Jesus, Jesus is setting precedence and he's preparing them. As we take this bread, I want you to understand that what's about to happen is that I'm about to give my body for you to be broken and blessed so that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. As you drink this cup, I want you to know that what I'm about to do is I'm about to shed my blood so that you can receive remission for sins, so that you don't have to bring sacrifice every year to get forgiveness like that, but you can be forgiven always. Why? Because I lay down my life for you. We see this demonstrated in the fact that Jesus comes and he lays down his life for his people. He lays down his life for his people. But then he, after supper in John 13, the Bible says he takes the pan takes the water and he girds himself with a towel. This is something that this is something servants do. Servants do this. He kneels down in front of those disciples the Bible says and he begins to wash their feet begins to pour the He begins to pour the water and he washes their feet. He washes their feet. Each one of them, he washed one foot. And he would dry. Then he would take the other foot. And he would wash this foot. And he would remind them of what he's doing. I'm teaching you how to serve one another. I'm teaching you that if I'm able to get down on my knees before you in this, in this position of a servant, I'm telling you that you ought to do this one for another. That you ought to wash one another's feet. 
Because you'll learn a very valuable lesson in this lesson that I'm teaching you through feet washing. That you will learn that the servant is not above his master. And you are not above one another. But that you are to be subject one to another and love one another and care for one another as I'm caring for you. That you learn this very valuable lesson. That I'm not only willing to die for you, but I'm willing to live, to give you life, and to serve you, and to love you. Come on, saints. He gives this example to us that he's willing to put on the towel and get on his knees and be a servant to all. Amen. He's given us the example of what it means to serve one another. He doesn't just lay down his life. Oh, but he washes the saints' feet. And he says to them that they've got to love one another. They've got to love one another. They've got to demonstrate this love that they have one to another. In John 13, he rises from supper and he lays aside his garments and he took a towel. He girded himself after that. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he were girded. Why? Because he's teaching them the act of servitude. When he tells them later on in that chapter that as I have loved you, you are to love one another. He is telling them right then. I'm telling you to do as I do. Say as I say. Walk as I walk. Love as I love. Love. Why? Because when you do that, people will recognize who you are. They will recognize who you are. Thank you, Brother Bud. Philippians chapter 2. He says, Fulfill ye my joy and be ye like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Don't look every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He tells them, a new commandment I'm giving to you, that you love one another. And he demonstrates exactly what that means. So what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us? How does that operate in our lives? The fact of the matter is, in these examples, and in the stuff that God is calling us to do, there is a struggle in our flesh. There is a struggle in our flesh, a struggle. Even in that evening, as Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he got to Peter. And the Bible says in verse 6, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do knowest thou knowest not now, but you shall know hereafter. 
You may not understand it right now, but you're about to get a good picture of what I'm telling you, Pete. You may not get it right now, but you're going to understand this. You're going, you're going, it's going to eventually click in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Peter said unto him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, you have no part with me. If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he that is washed needeth not to set, not save to wash his feet, but is every whit clean, or every, every whit, or clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore, it said he, you are not all clean. He said, listen, I'm not here to wash your whole body because, because those things are going to be taken care of. What I'm here to do is help you understand that I'm calling you to be a servant of mine. I'm calling you to do as I do in loving one another and caring for one another. Why is it that Peter had an issue with Jesus washing his feet? I don't know. I've had some speculations. I have preached on it. I have talked about it. You know, I, I've talked about it from the, from the sense of, you know, Peter had a hard time, you know, with Jesus humbling himself down before him, you know. But I don't know. Maybe Peter had a hard time receiving this instruction, you know, having his foot washed by somebody, somebody other than a servant or somebody other than somebody he, uh, he uh, believed was beneath him. Maybe he, had a, 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 maybe he had an issue with feet washing in general. I don't want you touching my feet. I don't want you washing my feet. Because maybe he even thought to himself, so what am I supposed to Am I got to wash your feet now? You know, I, I, don't, I don't wash other people's feet. I don't know what his issue was. All I know is Jesus said, you don't let me wash your feet now. You don't let me teach you this principle. You can't have no part of me. You can't have no part of who I am unless you can learn and understand what I'm doing in this very moment. Unless you can let me wash your feet and teach you how to be a servant and teach you how to love one another as you ought to love one another, you're not going to have any part of me. Why? Because you're not going to be my follower if you can't let me be Lord in your life and teach you how to live. You're not going to tell me. You're not going to tell me how you're going to do and what you're going to do. You're not going to tell me how far you go and how far you'll not go. If you're going to be mine, you're going to be mine holy. You've got to be a servant in everything. You've got to be a servant in everything. Peter backed up and said, well, then wash everything, Lord. You know, wash my head. And, he didn't say that. He said, wash my head and my hands. I did have a preacher one time. I was at a church and they were doing communion and he got excited. He said, Peter said, then wash my whole body. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's not what he said. <laughs> I don't know what Peter's issue was, but I know what Jesus' issue is. <laughs> Jesus' issue is, I'm just trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you. Do we have an issue with these principles here? Yeah, especially this one. We have an issue with this one, literally. Literally. We are a church who believes in not only communion, but feet washing. We practice this, just like I demonstrated today. We practice this every now and then. We don't do it all the time. Maybe twice a year, we practice this. And I'll tell you, other than sickness, that's the least attended service we have. 
Now, when we have communion on Sunday morning, this, this front is full. Because there are certain parts, there are certain parts of servanthood we don't mind getting. But there are others. There are others that we have a hard time with. And the thing about that is, it's not only a literal trouble that we have with this, but sometimes I think it's even that figurative, the figurative of serving one another. You know, I, th I thought about this because I was going to, I thought about this thought I'm about to tell you. Uh, Bud is a, Bud's a funny guy. I love Bud. He's kind of funny. On Sunday morning we pray. We uh, the praise team, most of us, meets here and we practice so we're ready, you know, to serve in excellence when we come. And then we come up and pray, and we have this practice that when we come up and pray, we have to stand boy, girl, boy, girl. Because Bud don't like to hold men's hands. Every time he holds my hand, he makes fun of it because mine's softer and littler than Over hands. <laughs> I can't help it. But you know, I, I think to myself, here, here's, a, here's a guy who don't even like to hold a man's hand, but he'll let me wash his feet. You know, he doesn't just let me wash his feet, but you know, I, I watch him on the nights that we have feet washing, and uh, Buddy physically has issues being able to get down and, and do that kind of stuff, but I'll wash him, wash his daddy's feet. Why? Because here's a guy who don't like to hold a man's hand, but there's just something inside of him that clicks. Number one, because I say we're going to have feet washing. He'll show up and he's going to wash feet. But the other part is the Lord is, is doing a work in his life as well as some others to understand that the principles of why we do what we do is because the Lord is trying to help us to learn how to be servants one to another. Servants one to another. So, so when do we do this, serve one another? When do we do this, serve one another? I want us to think about the smallest way we have an opportunity to serve one another. The smallest way. I, where's my coat? I am so, I, I'm sorry, sometimes I have a problem with tradition. I can't preach in short sleeves. It's just my thing. So now I feel like a preacher. Amen. Sorry. It's my hang-up, not yours. We're the smallest way that we can do this is serving one another. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25, he says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and even more so, as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Do you know that when we come together, when we come together like this, this is an opportunity for us to serve one another. This is an opportunity for us to serve one another. And Janet, it's a small opportunity. It really is. This is one of the smallest opportunities that we have to serve one another in a week. A few weeks ago, you know, I was giving you those, these stats, and I, I, just to remind you, 
if you come to church on Sunday morning, if you happen to come to church on Sunday morning at 9, if you're here at 9.30 when the praise team comes, um, if you're here at 9.30 and you're here with us to the end, um, which, which when we dismiss, it'll be 12.30, quarter to one. If you're here with us in that amount of time, you realize that on Sunday morning, we're only here three to three and a half hours. If you go home, take eat, take a nap, come back, and you're here Sunday night, you're only here about two more hours. That's only five and a half hours on Sunday out of 24 hours that we have to be here in church. That's a small amount of time for us to come to church and to serve one another, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. That is a small amount, especially a small amount of time when you consider five and a half hours out of 168 hours that we have in the whole week. Five and a half hours, that is a, sm that's a short amount of time for us to serve one another. If you come on Wednesday night, you can add two more hours to that maybe. Seven and a half hours out of 168 during the week, that's a small amount of time that we have to serve one another and to exhort one another. If you come at prayer meeting on Tuesday night, that's another hour. So add another hour, eight and a half hours in 168 in the week. That is a small amount of time in a week to come together and serve one another. Why do you keep saying it that way? Because that's what church is for. Can you hear my heart about church this morning? I know I'm a pastor. I know that I was raised hard. Amen. I was. My dad was a pastor. He expected me to be there. And, and well, he just expected me to be there. And uh, so I learned that I'd be there. And if I wasn't, I heard it. I know, that I'm, I know that I have some of those natures and tendencies. I know that when I harp on people being at church, that, uh, that, that when, or when people think I'm harping on, on the fact that people being at church, I have reasons. I have reasons. Well, I know that one, one of my reasons is I, I just believe people ought to be here, especially leaders. I believe that leaders ought to be in church because they're the ones who we are setting the example of faithfulness. We ought to be here. When we're having church, we need to make every effort to be here. Amen. I just believe that. As, as leaders, we are the examples to the rest of the church. And people notice. I just believe that. But further than that, this is what, this is what, this is my heart. Please hear my heart this morning on this. My heart is this. We have only that little bit amount of time that we have set aside to be together. Now, Faye. He says to us, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. The reason why we are coming to church is because, number one, we need to worship together. Number two, we need to hear the word together. If somebody, I know we're reading at home. I hope we are. But uh, we need somebody to expound scriptures to us and teach us. Amen. I, we, we need those kinds of things. But we need to be here because every time we have an opportun opportunity to be here, we have another opportunity to lay hands on one another and pray for one another. We have another opportunity to encourage one another, to speak love and to speak, to care for one another in a way. See, see, that's why I've told people, if you come to church and you come in late, you sit down, you leave early or you leave quickly, you never speak to anybody, you never say anything to anybody. As a Christian now, you never say anything to anybody, never take time to encourage anybody, then you have missed, you have missed the whole point of coming to church. <laughs> You have, you have missed it. Why? Because he said that as we come together, we come together to exhort one another. That means that we have an opportunity to care for one another. So the reason why it, it bothers me so much is not just because I expect people to be at church, but I think to myself, we only have, out of all of those times, we only have eight and a half hours in the week. 
if you're missing half of that or all of that in the week, I'm wondering to myself, where are you getting the encouragement of the brethren in your life? Where are you getting the encouragement of the word in your life? And folks, this is what I know about this life. It's just too hard. It's too tough. It's too rough. You need the encouragement of the brethren. And this time we call church, these scheduled times that we call church, is important to us because this is our opportunity to be encouraged in the word and by the spirit of God. And when we miss that in our lives, we're missing an opportunity not only to receive, but to serve one another. That's what church is. That's what church is. It's serving one another. I'm talking about how this looks in our lives. This is the smallest opportunity. Matthew 25, verses 31 through, I'm not going to tell you so you can turn to scripture for it. The Bible says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels with him, he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right side and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee in a hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave you drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came in unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. He says, if you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Did I give you scriptures after that testimony? Keep going. Oh, no. Just one more. Is that it of that chapter? Okay. He goes on to, he goes on to talk to the goats, and he said he, he's going to teach them to depart from him. And the reason why is because they didn't feed the hungry. They didn't clothe. They didn't go to the prison. They didn't go visit him in prison. None of those things. They didn't do any of those things. And they say to him, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? When did we see? And he says to them the very same thing. As you have done it to the least of these, so have you done it. What are you saying, Pastor? We're talking about serving one another. Are we feeding the hungry? Are we clothing the naked? Are we visiting the one in prison? Are we doing those very things that we are called to do as servants? Well, Pastor, I work a 40, 50, 60 hour week. I know you got bills to pay. You got bills to pay. I understand. I get that. But the thing about it is, when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask us about how faithful you were to show up to work every day and how many bills you paid off. That's not, that's not what he's going to answer. That's not what he's looking for in your life. What he's looking for is have you fed the hungry? Have you visited those in prison? Have you done those things that I've asked you to do unto the least of these? Because whatever you've done to them, you've done it unto me. We are so busy in our lives. We are so busy in the things that we got going on. We plan this and we, we fill our calendar as full as it possibly can. That's why you get so mad at me when I add one more event on. 
on the calendar. We've got so many things going on in our lives. And listen, and I'm okay if we're busy, but are we busy about serving and loving one another? Because, see, that's what we're going to give an account for. Any of you among you seem to be religious. He bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man, so I threw that one in the book. Okay. You don't, you can't bridle your tongue, and then we are in trouble. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from. You know, I, I know, I know that part of my responsibility in general as a pastor is to visit. I don't, I don't always meet the mark that some, some would put for me, and even that I would put my, for myself. I don't always meet the mark. Because there's a mark, Janet. Everybody's got a mark, a checklist on this. They do. I don't go visit. says, pure religion and undefiled before God is to visit the fatherless. He didn't say preachers. Visit the fatherless and the widows. Out of our busy weeks, how many people have we visited? How many people have we went to their house, checked on them? People that are missing, people that are sick. We personally, do we personally, and I know in this age of technology and calling and texting and Facebooking, that's wonderful. But how many of you would agree? How many of you would, whether you want to or not, but how many of you would agree that all those are great? I, I don't mind receiving texts. I don't mind receiving phone calls, Facebook messages, those kind of things. But how many of you would agree that to come and sit with somebody, physically touch them is a whole lot different. You can't take groceries and a text. You can't take a meal over the phone. Amen. I think I tore Ashley and them's nerves up they're from up north, and I just showed up at the house. <laughs> you do that in Pennsylvania, <laughs> you might not get received well. And listen, I don't always do stuff like this. I don't always do stuff like that, but I just showed up at their house. Christmas Day, I showed up at their house. Who does that? But, you know, I've, I've been doing some bacon, and I just had it on my heart. And uh, they live at the end of the road, and I had lots of stuff. And as I was making little plates, I just made up a plate and showed up at their house. They weren't even home. The kids were home. I said, I just wanted to say welcome to the neighborhood. Merry Christmas. You know, Adrian, Adrian came to the door, and uh, when he saw all the, <laughs> all the food on the plate, ooh, I was like, well, I know why I came. <laughs> he was so excited. He was so excited. You know, I texted him. You know, we, we, you know those kinds of things. But there was just something about just showing up at the door 
you know, showing up, it shocked them, you know, I know it did. But for me, I said, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I, I, it was in my mind, it was in my heart, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Folks, we don't want to miss opportunities to serve one another. We don't want to miss opportunities. I, I know we're busy. I know we're busy. I know that we are busy. But we're talking about the example that Jesus has set for us, breaking the bread, drinking the wine, the blood in his body. But we're talking about the example that Jesus set for us when he removed his outer garment, wrapped the towel around him, and nailed at the disciples' feet and began to wash their feet just like an old slave would, like an old servant would, to remind them and to help them to understand that we have a responsibility and a love that we have to give to one another, not because we're required, but because we love. When the love of God consumes our heart, time is not the issue. When the love of God consumes our heart, resources are not the issue. Amen. Resources are not the issue. I don't have much, Pastor. Listen, have you got a sack of taters? If you'll take them to Sister Faye's house, she'll make some potato soup for you, and you can take it to anybody you want to. Amen. It's not about resources. It's about us coming back to the principle of loving one another. And the reason why we're even talking about this is we got to go back to the very beginning of what, I, of what I was talking about. Jesus said to his disciples, I came and that the Father may be glorified in me. He said, and so what I'm telling you is that you need to love one another as I have loved you. And the reason why you do that is because when they see the love that you have one to another, he said, then they'll know. You won't have to tell them that you're a Christian. You won't have to tell them that you're a Jesus follower. They'll know there's something about your life because you have sacrificed, because you have cared when you didn't have to care. They will know by this that you are my disciples indeed. All the things that we do for ourselves, we got to remind ourselves. You're my servant to my do a lot of things that I don't think we even think about why we, we don't even know why we do them. I'm glad I, I wanted the opportunity. I wanted to, I told Pastor Ryan I wanted to really preach a whole Sunday on feet washing because we're going to practice this very soon. We are and it's about time we need to practice this very soon. Whole time about feet washing. Why Pastor? Because it's one of those things that reminds us of who we are and puts us back in that place of what we need to be point of all of it is that people will glorify God in the things that we do. Not that we would repeat definition. That they would see and hear and feel the love of Jesus. Feel the love of Jesus. You know, in preaching this, I really was praying and asking the Lord to help me because, number one, I didn't want to be preachy. Number two, I didn't want to... I said, God, I need to preach this in the Spirit. I said, because... I know things I feel about certain issues, and I know things I, that frustrate me, and I know things that upset me, and things like that. And so, God.
God, I need you to help me this morning because I don't want to be in my flesh at all when I talk about any of these things. Because the fact of the matter is, everything that we're talking about today is needful and necessary in our lives as Christians. And I need the Spirit to help me to know how to say what I need to say today. Why? Because I believe, God, that you are calling us back to this place of serving one another. Serving one another. Serving one another. So what do we do, Pastor? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to ask the Lord to help us to see areas in our lives that we can and need to improve on when it comes to loving each other. As I said before, we don't mind coming to the table to eat the bread and drink the juice. We don't mind coming to the table. We don't mind coming and singing some worship and preaching and that kind of stuff and, and all. But when we get done eating the bread and drinking the juice, we got to sit in the chair. we got to grab the towel. And we, and we struggle, literally and figuratively. So today I want us to ask the Lord, God, speak to my heart about the areas in my life where I'm struggling to put the towel on. Especially when it comes to my brothers, people that even get on my nerves, people that frustrate me. God, help me to know what I need to do to change that in my life so that I can be better at loving my brother and loving my sister. 